maybe I would like strategically leave things behind to help people build a better story about me. Like I would leave some really intelligent looking books or some really stylish clothes, even though I was only wearing like a bathrobe and slippers. Hi friends, this is Farewelling, the podcast where we talk about death and dying to learn more about living. Today's mini-sode is a bit special. Well, of course we threw a massive party to celebrate the launch of Farewelling. We hosted it in the heart of New York City on Wall Street at the offices of our digital partners, the Dom and Tom Agency. Thanks, Dom and Tom. The party was to die for. No, but really, it was amazing. There was champagne, there was rosé, there was charcuterie and dried fruits. There were impossible burger sliders. People, there was a poet creating one-of-a-kind on-demand haiku obituaries for our guests. And there was a Farewelling the Podcast recording room, of course, thanks to our friends at Edit Audio. So we couldn't just let our guests party away and not ask them to open up about the topic of death and dying and what it all means. So we quizzed them on their attitudes, opinions, and plans around their own farewellings. What follows are their responses, from personal touching anecdotes to hilarious off-the-cuff lines, from commemorative dog statues to existential linguistic philosophy. This is part one. Look out for part two in your feed soon. If you could have a casket of any kind in any style, funny, extravagant, simple, cool, what would it look like? I actually really love this question because I have this conversation with my husband all the time about what I want. And what I want is a statue of me and my dog. And it's in like a very specific way. And I found, a, I think it's actually a Greek statue. And it's like Artemis, something like she's in the woods or something. But it's me and my dog. And I'm kind of reaching out to my dog. And he's looking up at me. And I also am holding kind of almost like a tablet that says, there better be dogs. And I wanted the statue to be in probably a dog park because I really love dogs. The other part to that statue is that I can't figure out if I want my ashes to be inside it or if like I want my ashes to be elsewhere. And the other thing I'd want with my ashes is to possibly be made into a diamond. And if I can't have that, then I would want my dog's ashes to be made into a diamond so I could wear them. Well, I've been to Ghana where there is a, a little cottage industry of making really creative caskets, caskets in the shape of a fish for a fisherman and a car for somebody who loved a particular car. Since I'm a journalist and writer, I, of course, would like to be buried in a typewriter. The problem is, of course, finding somebody who even remembers what a typewriter is or looks like these days. An eco-friendly funeral is actually very important to me. Eco-friendly just means less environmental impact, no embalming, green casket, etc. I, I would actually like, and this is just something I learned from really enjoying the show Six Feet Under, I learned about green funerals from there and, and being buried. Instead of being embalmed, just being preserved for that short amount of time between like maybe a wake and a funeral 
without pumping your body filled with chemicals to preserve it for a few days longer. I don't really want that. I want to just be buried in a shroud, put into the ground, and I want to be naturally decomposed by the worms and the bacteria and all the other stuff in the ground. I want to just kind of go back into the earth where we all came from, I guess. There's like a pod. You can be buried in an egg. I've seen them on the internet. And then you can grow into, into a, a tree. tree. I really like that. I like thinking that my energy that comes out of me, I like that coming out and going into another living thing that, that's living at that time, a tree or, or something beautiful like that. So an eco-friendly green funeral, what comes to mind to me was those things where they just, like they bury you in a cloth and you just put you in the ground. You just, you become what you're supposed to become and you don't take up any space and you don't have to create something for your death. It'd be kind of cool to be buried in a fishbowl, like with that gel water all around so your body stayed preserved. And then you could get like trinkets in there so you really could take it with you. It would be in the gel. You would have your diamond ring and your mother's brooch and your daughter's hair from her first year when we got her first haircut. Do you think it's crazy that someone as famous and successful as Prince didn't have a will? I don't because he is so amazing and timeless. And in some ways I love that he transcended time and space and money. And he seemed to me the kind, you know, cause I knew him really well. He seemed like the kind of person who was so creative and focused on beauty and music and life that he in some ways was like the true artist that wouldn't think about something like that. And it's too bad that his legacy is sort of fraught with people fighting over money because, you know, obviously to him, that wasn't the point. I do have a will. I probably wouldn't bother, but I have kids. You have to make sure if something happens, you know where they're going to go. But honestly, I don't really care. <laughs> I can't imagine ever caring that much about where my stuff goes. It's just stuff. Do you think other people should clean out and organize their homes and their stuff before they die? No. Or should their family do it for them? Also no. Interesting. Well, old people shouldn't be charged to clean up their shit, especially if they're old and decrepit and about to die because that's like a lot of work. I think about this with my dad. My dad's place is a fucking mess. And someone will have to clean it up when he dies. It's going to be a pain in the ass. And it, and it will, will be me. Should it be me? No. But... I've thought about this, and if and when my dad dies, I'm going to put on Facebook, comedian friends, I'll give each of you $100 if you show up to my dad's house and come just take shit, keep it, throw it out, or whatever. 100 bucks a person. I left my job a year, almost a year ago, and I did not clean out my desk, but I have some close friends that still worked there, and they cleaned out my desk. And I found it extremely intrusive. And there were some things that I didn't want anyone to see or touch that were put in a paper bag and brought to my house. And I literally almost died of embarrassment. So I would say, I think that if you can, and you have the ability to do it and the wherewithal and the strength, you should do it yourself. It's kind of like a control you can have beyond the grave about what people say about you. Maybe I would like 
strategically leave things behind to help people build a better story about me. Like I would leave some really intelligent looking books or some really stylish clothes, even though I was only wearing like a bathrobe and slippers. Some stories are more interesting when they're told by other people than by the person that experienced them. What is one fun fact most people don't know about you that would be fun to include in your obituary? Now, this is our style of question. How about you say one about me and I'll say one about you? Oh, man. You do the worst Kermit the Frog impression that I've ever heard. And I don't know that I've heard a lot of people do Kermit the Frog impressions, but yours is the worst that I've ever heard. And I don't think people know that. Kermit the Frog. Well, Who wants to be here with you and change your diaper, Ariana. <laughs> yeah, not a ritual. Well, I think the one fact I would say, I don't know if it's fun, is that you're a better dad than husband because you're such a good dad. Cool. Not that you're a bad husband, but so people know, like, how great of a dad you are. But a fun fact? But fun is the root word of funny, and you're not funny. <laughs> Fantastic or... Um... Um, fun key. Oh, there it is. Okay. There it is. Thank you. <laughs> Someday, when you look back at your life, what do you hope to remember? I hope to remember all of the times I laughed. I want to remember all the jokes because I feel like the jokes are, make up the best times when I am laughing with people and joking with people. This is the best that I have in a day, so I want to remember those times. Do you think that people should laugh at funerals? I do. I think that when people are at their best at a funeral, they are over the, the sadness and their past loss, and they are remembering the good times with the person who's no longer with them. And those good times typically are about funny moments, happy times, and laughter is just a sign of those great memories. So I think it's actually a great thing when people are laughing in that circumstance. I think it depends on the funeral, and it also depends on the deceased and on the family. But there are some deceased who had outsized personalities and they had great joy in life. And I think it's fine if people want to laugh at the funeral of such a person. I've been to many funerals that have been quite joyous. And it definitely is a trend today. In fact, many funerals today are called celebrations of life. And the word celebration says it. People prefer to use a positive note rather than have the event be very maudlin. Everybody's an individual. No two people are the same. So why should two funerals be the same? When was the first time you realized that all living things die? It was actually a very distinct moment. I was, <laughs> I remember it. I was in my grandparents' house, my mum's parents' house, and I was with my mum. And I don't know what exactly happened, but I think they were talking about my, my grandfather being sick and him dying soon. 
and I just it hit me that one day my mum would 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 die as well, and that I was probably like twelve or something, and then the idea of her not being around really hit me. It was really profound, and I remember being really sad and and like clinging to her for a couple of hours. The thing that scares me about dying is that you don't know what happens. Like, like you, after? you can't conceptualize what it would be like without you before you were here and after you were here, and it's mind-boggling. And I know after it happens, it'll just be like complete relief, but I can't think about it. It's too scary. In existential and linguistic philosophy in the 1960s, there's this idea that nothing exists in and of itself. The only reason that things exist in the way that we perceive them is because of the relationships that they have between other things. And so in that way, the only thing that really exists is relationships. And so if that's the case, the only way you can really describe anything is through a story that understands the relationships between stuff. And so the only way that you can finish a story really fully, completely, is through a death. And if anything dies, whether it's like a fictional story or, or a real person, that should be through a good death. And by that, I mean a well-written death, I think. Thank you so much to everyone who talked to us at the Farewelling launch party. I hope it gave you an excuse to think more about these topics yourself and make it easier to start the conversation with your friends and family. Subscribe to Farewelling now so you don't miss part two of this episode or any episode of the podcast. If you like the show, please rate us on Apple Podcasts and stay up to date at myfarewelling.com. That's myfarewelling.com. Okay, see you next time.